morning, everyone. It's been a good day already, hasn't it? I thank the Lord for this Sunday. Even though the rain is coming down and it's drizzling out there and it may seem a little dreary, we know that the Lord is still alive and he's still alive and working in each of our lives. And so I thank the Lord for that. How many of you have uh, watched some of the Olympics in the last couple of days? It started on Friday with the open, opening ceremonies, and uh, I watched a little bit of the opening ceremonies, and let me see, I got a couple of pictures up there. And it was cool, really cool to see all the athletes as they marched in, representing their own countries. And I just took a couple of little snapshots of different countries, but the thing that impressed me while I was watching, and as you can see in the photos, those athletes, they're just so happy. They're just so excited to be there. And, uh, and I would, always, and I would I'm almost say that they're, they're very hopeful, right? If you're an athlete and you've practiced and trained for so many years and you have an opportunity to go to the Olympics, you're hoping, you're hoping that you're prepared and you're hoping that you what? That you bring home the gold, Right? You're not just want to go for a nice vacation or a nice trip. You're hoping beyond all your hopes and all your hard work and all your training and all that discipline and all the tired and sore muscles and all of that stuff, you're hoping that you would bring home the gold medal. And so this morning I want to talk about hope. I want us to talk about being hopeful. You know, as a person myself, I believe I'm a pretty hopeful person. I'm a believe, I believe I'm an optimistic person. I believe that I'm a person that sees the glass and sees it as half full versus half empty. And that's what a hopeful person does. But as I look at our church, as I think about hope, I want us to be a place where we dispense hope, where we give hope, where we share hope. I want us to be a place where hope happens, where hope happens. I want you to say that. I want you to say, hope happens. Hope happens. And as we, as we look into the Word of God this morning, I'm going to look at a very, very familiar passage of Scripture. It may be familiar to many of you. It may be completely new to some of you as well. But it's a psalm. It's a psalm in the Old Testament. Psalm 23, we often refer to as the Psalm of David, because King David wrote this psalm as a shepherd psalm. So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to that. As we think about hope and what that means for our church, what that means for each and every one of us as a believer, as a child of God. So if you don't have your Bibles, we can follow along here. And what I'm going to want you to do, we're going to read this together out loud. It's only six short verses, and what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to stand as we read God's Word this morning, and we can read together what it says on the screen. So let's stand together out of uh, reverence and respect for God's Word, because this is God's Word. It's His Holy Word. So let's read it together, starting with verse number one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. You know, the version of the Bible that we read that from is actually the King James Version. That's how I memorized it when I was a little kid. Now, it may have a few different words in some of the newer translations, but I think it's very poetic. So that's why I chose that version, the King James Version. But we're talking about hope today, about hope. Norman Vincent Peale, who was a preacher back in the last century, in the the 1900s, he tells a story of walking through the streets in Hong Kong and coming upon a tattoo parlor. And one of the samples displayed in the window of that tattoo parlor, and it was a lot different in those days, this was like about the 1950s or 1960s, He saw this, and it said, born to lose. It was a tattoo. And so he entered the shop. Norman Vincent Peale, this this, uh, preacher, he entered the shop in astonishment, and and pointing to those words, he asked the Chinese tattoo artist. He said, does anyone really have that terrible phrase, born to lose, tattooed on their body? And he replied, yes, sometimes. And Peale said, but... I just can't believe that anyone in his right mind would do that. Put born to lose on their bodies. And the Chinese man simply tapped his forehead and he said in broken English, he said, before tattoo on body, tattoo on mind. What a way to view your life. That even before you were to start living your life, you believe that you're destined to be a loser. Sounds pretty hopeless, doesn't it? Sounds pretty hopeless. But we live in a day and an age today where people are hopeless. They don't see what's in the future. They don't see a bright future. But it's just the opposite of what King David wrote in Psalm 23. Especially that last verse. And we're going to be focusing on that verse, verse number 6, this morning. And this is what it says, and I'll read it again, and you'll see it up here. Verse number 6 says, Surely... Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want you to look at that first and really try to figure out what that means for you. You see, in this verse, David emphasizes the sense of hope and the sense of well-being that God promises his people. There's something that I've never been quite able to figure out and understand. And that's a negative, and that's a a pessimistic Christian. It's believers whose view of the world and and view of the future is so bleak and so depressing, and frankly, it's quite discouraging. And you can hear them moaning. And these are Christians. These are believers. These are people who proclaim their faith in Jesus Christ, but you can sometimes hear them moaning. They say, oh, the economy is bad, and it's getting worse, and The government is out to get you, and you can't trust anyone anymore, and people aren't just as aren't as good as they used to be. And they go on and on and on. And I'm not sure where that comes from. 
Because the Bible teaches a completely different outlook on life. The Bible teaches that even though there are problems in this world, and that there are, all sh- and that there are struggles that we all must endure, that God is ultimately in control. And we learned that in the last few weeks with the life of Jonah, that it wasn't about Jonah. It was about God, and that he was ultimately in control of all things. And he's in control, and he takes care of his people. And we have every reason to feel good about the future. Not because you are in control of your life, not because the right political party is in control of the government, but because God is in control. Can you say amen to that? And even though you pass, as the psalm says, and even though you pass through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't need to fear evil. You don't need to fear the future because God is in control. And since God is in control, we have hope. Hope for today, hope for tomorrow, hope for our relationships, hope for our families, hope for our jobs, hope for our needs being met, hope for our lives making a difference, that we have significance and a purpose in life, and hope for spending eternity in heaven with Jesus. That's what hope is. Some of you remember, may remember this movie. It's from a few years ago called The Shawshank Redemption. Any of you remember that movie? It starred Morgan Freeman, who had been locked up in the prison, in Shawshank Prison, all of his adult life. And he's talking about hope. And he says this, and it's a very bleak thing that he says. And some of you that have been in prison, you may understand that. But he said this about hope as he was locked up his entire adult life. He said, hope is a dangerous thing. Hope can drive a man insane. It's got no use on the inside. And he's talking about prison. While he was prison, he says, there's no sense having hope. Because if you do, it's going to drive you crazy. But that's no way for a true follower of Jesus Christ to be thinking or feeling. This is not what the Bible, this is not what the Word of God teaches us. It says that hope is a good thing. Hope is a good thing. It's okay to feel good about your life. It's okay to feel good about your future. Why? Because God is in control. And it's not about me. I'm not in control. And if I continue to be in control of my life, yeah, maybe there is no hope. But if we put God in control, there is hope. There always is hope. Do you know what? I'm convinced. I'm convinced of this. That the more you walk with Jesus, the more you walk with Jesus, the more time you spend in his word, the more time you spend in prayer, in true Christian fellowship, in true Christian service, the more time you spend with Jesus, the more your outlook on life is defined by hope. It's true. It's true. This is what happens to people who live their lives under the care of God, the great shepherd. They become inescapably and irreversibly hopeful. It's just like David. Remember, we studied the life of David. And though he endured a lot of heartbreak, though he endured a lot of tragedy, 
though he endured a lot of failure, failure in his life, David was still able to say, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This morning, let's look at what it means to have hope. You know, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, at the end of that chapter, he said that there are three things that remain. Faith, hope, and love. And we know that we're supposed to live lives of love. We know that we're supposed to live lives of faith. But what about that third part of that equation? How do you live a life of hope? How do you live a life of hope? I want us to look at a couple of things this morning about hope. The first thing, having hope means that you can live with a sense of certainty. You can live with a sense of certainty. And I want you to say that. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I can live with a sense of certainty. Say that to another neighbor. I can live with a sense of certainty. Some of you don't sound too certain. One of the most important words in this psalm is the first word of verse 6. And you can see it up there. I underlined it. Surely, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me. That word surely, it's not, it's not maybe, it's not perhaps, it's not just hypothetically, it's not just possibly or even probably, but David said surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me. And that same idea is expressed in the New Testament when the Apostle Paul says, in Romans 28, and we quote this, ver- this verse all the time. And it says, and we know, not we just think or we hope to believe, but we know. There's a cer- certain sense of, of, of certain and, and certainty and, and assurance. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You know what he's saying? He's saying, surely, He's saying we can live with a sense of positive expectation. Because why? Because God is in control. And he's at work in your life. You know, when you watch an action-packed drama at the movies or on television, such as maybe the, uh, the Jason Bourne series or maybe 24. Any of you ever see 24? It's not on TV anymore. It's a great show. I wish it would come back. But you know that Jason Bourne or Jack Bauer will somehow, somehow escape the seemingly inescapable situation in which they have found themselves. You know that he will be in the next episode because it's his show. So when you watch the show, you don't find yourself saying, oh no, will will Jack Bauer survive? Is this the end? No, you don't say that at all. Instead, you find yourself saying, oh, this is interesting. How is he going to get out of this situation? How is he going to survive this? How is he going to make it through this? The odds seem all against him. And so it's not a matter of if, but it's a matter of how. Because we all know that the writers are committed to this character, and they'll make sure that he's in the next episode. 
And you know what? It's the same way for us. It's not a question of if God will get you through a difficult situation. It's a question of how he will do it. It's not a question of if God will bring blessings into your life. It's a question of how he's going to do it. It's not a question of if God will work things out for your good and for his glory. It's a question of how he's going to do it. I can look back in my own life. And there's been times when I've looked at seemingly inescapable situations in my life. And I've said, wow, this is interesting. How is God going to work things out? I know that he will, I just don't know how. And I know that he will because I know that I'm in the next episode. And I can't be written out of the story. So the only thing I don't know is how will God do it? And that's where hope comes in. So you see, as one of God's people, we can say, surely, certainly, I have every confidence that God will take care of things. So the first thing about hope is that you can live with a sense of certainty. So I want you to say to your neighbor again, I can live with a sense of certainty. (coughs) Say it with more certainty than that. Say, I can live with a sense of certainty. There you go. Okay, starting to believe it now. The second thing, the second thing this morning I'll leave with you with having hope means that you can live with a sense of optimism. That you can live with a sense of optimism. Now I want you to say that, but I don't want you to say it to your neighbor. I want you to say it to yourself. And I want you to say it four times, as quickly as you can, to yourself. I can live with a sense of optimism. I can live with a sense of optimism. Say it. Say it four times. To yourself, though. David said in verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy, they're coming my way. That's what he says. Goodness and mercy are coming my way. What's coming your way? Irritations? Disappointments? Sickness? Poverty? Problems? Or can you say, no, blessings are coming my way. Opportunities are coming my way. Victory is coming my way. Power over sin is coming my way. Strong and healthy relationships are coming my way. Psalms 23 reminds us that it's okay. It's okay to be optimistic. You see, David first says that goodness will follow me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. And let's take a few, let's take a few moments to look at this word goodness. And we can see it in a couple of ways. First of all, we can, ex- we can expect good things to happen. We can expect good things to happen. Because we have a God who is in control. And we have a God whose, whose main character trait is love. And if the person that is in control loves you, why wouldn't you expect good things to happen? 
So we can expect an outpouring of blessings from time to time. But we all know that's not always the case in our world. But even when we experience those difficult times, even when we experience those tough times, we can still expect good things to come from it. That's all about perspective, isn't it? The trials, the tough times. Sometimes when we're going through those difficult times, we can't see the end. But as we get through that, and we realize that God had a reason for that, and that God was trying to refine our character, or draw us closer to him, we realize that that was a good thing. And so it helps us to keep things in perspective, that God will pour out his blessings upon us. And there's another sense in which goodness is coming your way. And that's the sense of that, that you, that you as a child of God, that you are becoming good. If there is a such a word that you're becoming gooder, but that's not a word. You're becoming gooder. And what do I mean by, by that? By becoming gooder, I'm saying that your faith is growing. Your character is being refined. Your attitudes and your actions are changing. That you are becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. You know, after Paul said that all things work together for good, he said, he said that we are being conformed. We are being conformed into the image of God's Son. That we are becoming more and more like Jesus in our character, more and more like Jesus in our integrity, more and more like Jesus in grace, more and more like Jesus in our thought life, and in the words that we speak, and in the type of life that we live. In the book of Philippians, Paul said, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. It's God who's working in you to make, making you to become gooder. Making you become gooder. In other words, he will finish what he started. We're all in process. But God says he will finish what he started. He will make you more and more like Jesus. Where? More and more like Jesus in your heart. More and more like Jesus in your motives the reasons why I do things. More and more like Jesus in the intentions of your heart. That's what counts the most. And some of you may be thinking, well, I don't see how I could ever be possibly a truly holy person. Some of you are thinking that. Can I really be a good person? Can I really be like Jesus I want you to know that it's possible. It's not just possible. It's certain. It's certain. It's, it's surely. Surely. That's the word. And as you walk with the good shepherd and you put yourself in his care, he not only gives you the blessing of good things, but he gives you the blessing of becoming good and becoming gooder. 
David also says in this verse, he says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. He says, mercy will follow me. And this is important. Why? Because we need mercy, don't we? We need mercy. Every single one of us needs mercy. You know, sheep, sheep have a tendency to wander off the path. And so do we. So do we. And that's why the prophet Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 53. He said, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And that's why God said through Isaiah again in Isaiah chapter 60. And he said, In my favor have I had mercy on you. Those of you who are parents... You know how you have to kind of go behind your children sometimes, picking up after them. Not so much about the messes they get in, the physical messes, messes, but getting them out of one situation and then another. And as they grow older, as they become teens, you as a loving parent, you go around behind them, sometimes having to pick up the pieces. That's what God our Father does with us. He understands that the process of growing up and the process of becoming good is a never-ending process. And that's why we need His mercy again and again and again. And when we need it, it's always there. It's always there. We need His mercy every single day of our lives. No matter where you are in your walk with the Lord, if you're, if you're a brand new believer, if you've been a believer for 30 or 40 years, we still are in process. And we still need God's mercy in our life every day. And that's why the writer of Hebrews said this, Hebrews chapter 4. He said, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy. And find grace to help in time of need. So you see, living with hope means that you have a sense of optimism about your life and about the future. It means that you know that God is sending good things your way. That he is helping you and and refining you and developing you and cultivating you so that you can become good. So that you can become more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. And we also come to understand that he gives you as much mercy as you need for your journey. So much mercy that follows you wherever you go. I like that, I like that phrase. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you. It's like you can't get away from it. He's following you. It's like my shadow here. I don't know if you can see my shadow on the stage from the lights. But no matter where I go, it's always following me. I can't get away from it. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. So because of that, we can live with a sense of certainty. We can live with a sense of optimism. And so this morning, I'm going to ask Freddie to come out to start playing the piano. This week, I would encourage you, I would encourage you to do the, to do the following.
I'm going to encourage you to memorize, if you can. Memorize Psalm 23. It's a very short psalm. Most of you probably have memorized it before when you were very young. But re-memorize it. Put those, the words of God, the words of God's Holy Scripture, into your mind and into your life. And if for some reason you can't memorize the whole psalm, it's about 120 words. I would challenge you to memorize verse number 6. It's only 25 words. I don't know how many times I've repeated it this morning. So hopefully it's already embedded in your mind. But I would challenge you to memorize that verse. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's my challenge to you. And, this, and here's another challenge. This week, at the end of each day, write, write down three, just three, good and merciful things that have followed you throughout that day. Just start with three. Each day, 